0: Amen. So, uh, last week we finished um, Luke chapter twenty-one, and uh, we're we're discussing the last week of Jesus's ministry here on Earth, his life on Earth, um, and we're getting to the last night uh, of of his of his life here. Uh, so, uh, Jesus uh, at this point had been uh, teaching daily in the temple, and people were coming out to see him early in the morning. And he would preach, and then at night he would go uh, back to the Mount of Olives, uh, and he would stay the night there, and then he'd go back in. So uh, he was asked about uh, signs and the times. When would people know? So he gave he gave uh, examples and and uh, uh, letting uh, the children of Israel know uh, what to look for, um, because the um, all of that discourse is about the future for Israel itself uh, there are things for christians to, to glean but uh specifically addressed to the, the uh, children of israel and um so uh, they asked for signs he gave them the signs and uh, one thing that he ended with uh as we read here is in uh, verse 34 was uh the lord said take heed to yourselves and he, he he specifically gave a few uh a few pointers uh watch uh to pray always that you, it would be worthy to escape uh, and, and stand. And there's stuff that we can glean from that as Christians, that we can look at that and see that. Now, um, as, we're, as we're reading those things, you know, watch therefore and pray always. And we don't, as Christians, want to go through the great tribulation. So we have a relationship with him, um, especially the Calvary Chapel movement. You're going to hear about pre-tribulation uh, rapture. Uh, where we're not here to experience God's wrath and we can look at several places we talked about um, You know lot Noah came to mind uh, and they come to mind uh, right now of uh, God's people being removed before his wrath is poured out. So I uh, when you when you consider the message that the Lord had uh, it, It's important for us to just have a proper relationship with him. So um Stand it says stand, uh, that he was be able to stand before the Son of Man. Uh, and then it goes 37 and 38 kind of close it out. And it's explaining that he would teach, as I said earlier, uh, in the morning. And uh, in the evening he would go back uh, to the Mount of Olives. So uh, 22 verse 1 says, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. So, um, if you could put your spot, I, I meant to tell you this before we started, but if you just uh, mark a spot here and if you turn uh, to Exodus chapter 12, we're going to spend some time there um, because it says here, now the feast of unlevered bread drew near, which is called Passover. So we're going to take a few minutes uh, tonight and we're going to look at what this means. Um there are times where we can read and go, "Oh, okay, that's that's what it was." But but what do those things mean? And and uh, just kind of take a a deeper dive, look into you know what's being what's being presented to us, and what and what that means of uh, the time uh, that's w- for what's happening uh, in Jesus's life and in the ministry, and uh, as we're reading through the scripture. So um, in Exodus chapter twelve, uh, there's there's a lot here uh for for us to discuss. We're gonna kind of jump through it a little bit and there are gonna be a few parts that we skip or whatever, but um as we read through here, we're gonna see that the Lord is establishing something. So what's happening is um this this Passover that we're reading of, if you're unfamiliar with it, it was instituted by the Lord uh, for Israel to remember him delivering Israel from Egypt. Uh so that's when we go through this, uh we're gonna kind of get a better understanding of what's going on so Israel had been uh, had spent 430 years in Egypt as uh, a captive so they they initially started there uh, you know Joseph brought his family there after his brothers betrayed him and uh, if you remember the story uh, after some time, uh, the brothers came during a famine and they needed stuff. And Joseph remembered, oh, Joseph recognized, excuse me, recognized his brothers. They didn't recognize him. So after some some events and uh, some scary times for them, Joseph just breaks down and says, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? He's just so blessed to hear his, his brother and his father are still alive. So what ends up happening is they all get brought there uh, to Egypt and they had the land of Goshen to themselves. And then what what ends up happening is Israel grows too big. And they scare Egypt. So what Egypt does is they say we're going to enslave them. Um, So they, uh, when they grew uh, too great in number, the pharaoh started uh, things started turning, and that was after Joseph had died. But uh, and the 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 pharaoh no longer remembered uh, this new pharaoh didn't remember Joseph, uh, although he had risen to second in command from being a slave that uh, could have been put to death. Um, He was, uh, you know exalted by the lord and 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 put into the second command of the most powerful nation in the world so when joseph died those things uh ended up happening they forgot who joseph was didn't care wait a minute there's a lot of people over there that could pose a threat to us let's start using them as slaves so they did so uh god hears the cries uh of the children of israel because they were treated harshly uh by the egyptians and so as uh you know, God hears their cries. He sends uh, Moses to them. Now, Moses uh, was raised by the Egyptians. Uh, so, if you just go back and 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 read, you'll you'll uh, be able to see uh, it, the whole story of Moses. And um, there's a decree put out by uh, Pharaoh that the Jews were to execute their children, and uh, they were supposed to throw them into the, the Nile River. And uh, so, his Moses parents obeyed that. They put him in the river, but they built an ark so he could float down the river. Uh, And when he did, his sister Miriam followed the ark down and finds that it went to Pharaoh's daughter finds it and they fetch it out. And then she takes the baby uh, and raises it on her own. And the cool, cool thing to think about is they needed someone to take care of the baby. And who else? You know, Miriam's right there. Hey, I, I might be able to find a woman. And it's Moses's mom. You know, the Lord, the Lord provided so greatly there, just such a blessing to know that they had to give up their child, but the, that the Lord preserved him and that they actually got to spend time with him. So, um, she found, uh, found by, uh, Pharaoh's daughter and, and he, uh, he's brought up in, in the house, in the King's household. And he's, uh, given the, the best of teachings, very smart, very good looking guy and, um, learns of his Hebrew background as he's as he's growing up and ends up getting to a point where he kills an Egyptian. He's, he knows his Hebrew background and he sees an Egyptian beating a Jew and uh, goes to defend the Jew and uh, kills the Egyptian um, and uh, hides it and uh, hides the man. And uh, shortly after that, uh, finds two Jews fighting and he goes and he says, why, why are you guys fighting and everything? And they said, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us. Like you killed him. He thought the secret was, was buried and gone and that this guy might keep the secret. And so he flees, he he left. Um, so he, he, he gets called out. He flees to Midian and, uh, God speaks to him through the burning bush encounter, Exodus chapter three. Um, so it, it's a neat thing to, so go through and read that because it's, it's, it's interesting. And it, uh, you can learn. We can learn a lot about ourselves as the Lord's interacting um, with uh, Moses and commissioning Moses to go and speak to Pharaoh. It's a, it, you, you'll see uh, an interesting dialogue uh, in there where uh, Moses is asking the question. The Lord's, you know, just yes, this is what I'm going to have you do. Don't fear, I'm going to be with you. Then Moses starts saying, "Well, I'm not really the guy. I can't really talk." So there's a, a more dialogue there, and the Lord's like, "Is that Aaron?" Yeah, well, Aaron's gonna go and he'll be basically your mouthpiece for you, and he'll go talk, and then you know his brother. So, um, the so then they go to Pharaoh, and after a lot of back and forth with Pharaoh and uh, plagues, uh, some of those plagues were well, all of them were awful, uh, but some examples would be like locusts, flies, frogs. Um, I have some somebody oh, lice, lice. You ever dealt with lice before? <laughs> yeah, awful, awful. Um, and uh, it just uh, one of those things that, uh, that nobody would ever want to go through. So they go through nine of them, and Pharaoh's heart is still hard, and he won't let the children of Israel go. So it comes down to the 10th plague. And, and the 10th plague is the death of the firstborn. And uh, so God institutes the Passover for the children of Israel. So, uh, very important to understand, uh, you know, what this is. So when we read of the unleavened, the feast of unleavened bread and Passover, w- what significance that has, uh, uh, in Israel's history, uh, so that we can grasp further who, who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. So uh, how this all ends up coming together is awesome. So Exodus chapter five, uh, 12 verse five. So, um, This says, uh, actually, let's back up to four, and um, we're going to go to three, sorry. Uh, Speak to the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next uh, to his house uh, take it according to, to the number of the persons according to each man's need, you shall make a count, a make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, with uh, of the first year you may take it uh, from your sheep or from your goats. So uh, that verse five, so what it is is every family, and if your family was too small, uh, you could go with your, your, your neighbors, especially you your uh, neighbor. Especially, what comes to mind for me would be a young family, um, maybe a poor family or whatever. And hey, you know, we, uh, our family, we only have two or three people. Uh, you guys do, so let's let's uh, let's come together and and we'll offer uh, a lamb together. And uh, the Lord makes provision for that. So um, that's on the tenth day they have to get everything uh, together, and on the fourteenth day. Uh, It says it in verse six, we're not going to read verse six, uh, but it says on the 14th day um, uh, of the first of the month. So if you if you want a cross cross reference for that. Uh, where the Lord establishes this uh, after um, uh, the children of Israel have come out of Israel. In the book of Leviticus, it's uh, Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 8. So if you kind of want to dig into that uh, more as a a cross-reference, you can find it in Leviticus 23. So uh, they need to kill this lamb. So uh, verse 7 says, And they shall take some of the blood. Uh, so uh, let's, actually, let's read 6. So um, now you shall uh, keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So there's a specific time that those lambs were to be killed for those families. Uh, and it says, and then, uh, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. So this is important as you're, as you're uh, looking at this is they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. So what they're supposed to do is take the blood of the spotless lamb after it's slain and they're supposed to take that with uh, some hyssop and they're supposed to put it on both sides of the doorposts and then on the lintel on the top. You can see that that creates a cross. So all the way back in the book of Exodus, while they were in Egypt, there's a, a a picture of the cross being so there's blood on the top and on the sides, you know the the, the crown beaten in uh, Jesus' head uh, and uh, in his hands, you know running down. That's that's an amazing thing for us to look at, and and if you turn to verse 23, so. After they're told this, they're told that uh, the Lord is going to send a destroyer to uh, come through and is going to kill the firstborn um, of every home that doesn't have the blood marking mark on the outside. Verse 23 says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. So when we when we think of the Passover, uh, understanding what was going to come. The firstborn of everyone's house was going to be killed if it didn't have the blood covering. It was going to experience that punishment from God if it didn't have the blood uh, on the, the doorposts and on the lintel. <clears throat> In uh, verses 24 through 28, We can see that the Lord established this and uh, it's a Passover sacrifice and that it needs to be carried out and uh, throughout history. So so the blood of this spotless lamb needs to be uh, on the doorposts, on the lintel, the two sides. And if that blood was there, they would uh, be delivered from death because of the blood of the lamb. So let that let that sink in you may be familiar with this but that blood being on there would deliver from death the death that was coming so that blood from a spotless lamb now Exodus chapter 12 verse 15 we're going to back up just a little bit for me I got to go back a page Exodus chapter 12 verse 15 says 7 days you shall eat unleavened bread on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. So, for seven days, seven days, number of completion, uh, on the first day, any leaven that's in the house, anything that would cause bread to rise, that leaven uh, needed to be taken out. Now, leaven is a picture, a type of sin in the scripture. So that sin needed to be, the, the the picture of sin being removed from that home for uh, for a, a full week uh, has to be out of there. So that, uh, and, and it also says in verse 16 that no work should be done on the first and seventh day. So no work, sin needs to be removed, covered by the blood so that you can escape death. I hope this is, if you're, you're probably going into New Testament scriptures in your minds, Yeah, where you can you can look at Ephesians chapter two and you can understand that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works. Lest anyone should boast, you know, all those things that the rest would be there that as we rest, God does the work. So in verse 20, it says uh, it says that uh, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. So that bread needs to be removed. All that, all the, all the leaven has to be taken out. So there can't be any that what it's talking about. There can't be sin. There can't be the the leaven in there that that represents the sin. That can't be in the home, and that needs to be out. So during the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when those two things come together, uh, it's it's quite a picture for us. So the picture is that blood is required uh, to cover from God's wrath. Uh, Jesus, the spotless Lamb, His blood was spilled on the cross. And if we remember, I, I, I'm pointing up there because we sometimes for me, I'm, I, I can, I can learn very well if I have something to look at. So, you know, the doorpost, the sides and the lintel on the top, uh, creating or creating a cross there. And if uh, we accept that, we ask him to cover our sins with, sin, uh, with his sinless blood. I had an awesome conversation with my daughter. She went to work with me yesterday. Uh, I got permission from my boss and, uh, she, my youngest daughter, Natalie went to work with me and, uh, you know, we had a great day. There's nothing going on on a college campus on a Saturday when no kids are here. And so it was just she and I, so, you know, we got to go down and we're checking out all these buildings. I'm like, all right, we're going to go into the basement of this one. And you know, this, you know, it's real dark and it's got all these rocks and everything. So we go through there. And, um, you know, we're, we're going and we go to the basketball court and you know we're playing some ping pong and you know we're just having a good time you know and and uh, enjoying enjoying the day together and um she on her ride home she's like i got a question and i asked what it was she's like why couldn't god just like snap his fingers and the sins would be removed why did jesus have to come and i'm like this is awesome you know all that all that day we had all this fun and and but the Lord is is just ministering to her heart and, and she knows she's comfortable enough, she can just say, Dad, what, what is this? She's like she goes, I'm not questioning um, you know, God or, or anything. I do believe it, but she's like, I don't understand why Jesus had to die. And we had a great conversation and I told her, you know, if I if I sinned against her, and, and you know, she had some goofy ways of, of explaining that, but I said, if we're we're in front of a judge and I'm guilty and you've been wronged. And a judge just goes, nah, I'm not going to, I don't want to do anything about it. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. And I might have stolen all your money or I might have broke your arm or whatever it is. Uh, And you see that I get no punishment for that. That means that that judge is an unjust judge. And I told her that sin uh, separates us from God and that sin has to be dealt with. It, it, It can't just be washed away because we've offended God. So and I just explained to her that 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 God um that we're all sinners there was nobody here that could do it and that in Israel they would use the lamb uh as a symbol but uh, you know the 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 scripture tells us the the blood of bulls and goats if you read in, in Hebrews uh wasn't sufficient you know it's it's a sign uh it's it's we needed Jesus the sinless lamb to come and die for us and and so we had some more of that discussion and she's like Ah, I got it. Okay, I'm like, you sure? Any question? No, no, I got it. So, as we're going through that, I wanted to share that with you that as we accept it and we ask him to cover our sins um by that sinless uh, with the sinless blood. Guys, it's sharing the gospel, which my daughter is very familiar with the gospel message, but it just wasn't making sense like why? Why did he have to come? Why did he have to come and I believe all these things And for us. You know, we're here on a on a Sunday night uh, you know, it's sometimes it's that easy. Just being able to explain that. Now, I don't know what conversations we're going to have, um, but just understanding that uh, as things are are growing um, in what we're studying in in Luke, uh, and they're they're growing to that catalyst of Christ dying on the cross. That as we read through these things, we might read right past. Uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover and really what it means and to see that God had perfect timing for for the true spotless lamb to be offered. And uh, so, uh, you know, as we see these uh, and as we're, we're covering these things, it's important for us to understand that we're washed by the blood and and we no longer face condemnation. And that sin, uh, as as in the Leavened, unleavened bread. Uh, it's removed from our lives. Sin, shin, sin, should be purged from our life. It should be. We're 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 not going to get to a point where we never sin. If somebody tells you after they've well, I accepted the Lord and I've never sinned since. Wrong. You know, it's it, it, we all. You know, if if we're trying to seek the Lord in in our lives and we're actively seeking him, we're going to be frustrated, frustrated by the fact that we may lose our temper. We may fall back into sin here or there. So we're we're going to deal with sin as long as we're here on this earth. The Lord will deliver us. Now that that's not a, uh, that's not something for us to make resolve in our heart that, well, you know, scripture says I'm never going to be perfect. So I might as well just stay in this habit. Of what I'm doing that's destroying my life. No, we have freedom from sin, and we have redemption from that sin. But we shouldn't continue any longer in it, right? Paul makes that very clear. Uh, so it, when we've been removed, redeemed from sin, uh, it's just it's something that should uh, should leave our life. It shouldn't be common. It shouldn't be something that oh hey this can remain in my life. This can remain in my household. No, it's gone. So and the Lord's going to remove that. So just trust in his deliverance. So we see the God's perfect timing in all this. So it's just a great thing that, so as we're reading through and we see the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover, we we can, I wanted to co- go back and kind of look at what that meant. What it meant was there was a picture of the cross all the way back in Exodus that the Lord was showing blood uh, in the shape of a cross. And as, as um, the, the, um, a destroyer was coming. If the blood was there, you'd escape that death. You know, and the blood that covers us that we escape that death. God's amazing. You know, I, I heard I heard from another Christian this week. I was talking with him, and he said <clears throat> he was having a conversation with somebody, and it wasn't a very long conversation because you tell the guy was getting pretty angry. You know and it was one of those conversations of you know so so you know, what do you believe you, you know, do you believe in the bible this guy has a great way of just approaching people and uh the guy's like nope nope that's just a bunch of crap he says sorry for the word but you know um you know it's, it's written by men you can't trust it and everything you know, okay he just kind of lets the guy talk and and everything and okay great and uh so so you don't what do you believe happens when we die and uh, the guy says, well, just, we become worm food, was his answer. We <laughs> become worm food. And he, okay, all right. And he goes, well, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? You know, this is this is what you built your life on, and this is what you're trusting, and what if you're wrong? And that's when his face started getting red, and he's like, all right, we don't have to continue the conversation, but the seeds are planted. The seeds are planted. And uh, it was a blessing for him to tell me that, you know, and and to know that uh, as Christians – we we know that our sin has been removed. There's we we the only one we can place our trust in is the one that fulfilled uh, everything that you can look at in the Old Testament. Every prophecy about the about the Messiah was fulfilled by Jesus. Over 350 of them, just the prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. All of those about the Messiah have been fulfilled by him. Over 350 of them. There's nobody else that could ever do that. Will has shared a mathematical equation, and you guys re- might remember it, where uh, he was talking about uh, quarters being spread. I'm going to mess this whole thing up, but he's talking about quarters being spread across the state of Texas, two feet deep, and I'm probably even messing up the thing, and he's probably like, no, it's eight inches deep or whatever. But anyways, so this, this certain amount of quarters being spread, and so the likelihood of somebody fulfilling eight of those Eight of those prophecies would be like dry, flying over at any point in Texas and throwing a quarter out, and then you bulldoze, and you keep bulldozing, and and somebody being able to walk wherever they want to walk and trying to find that one quarter that was dropped out that's all, all over the state of Texas and reaching down without digging, without seeing or anything, picking up that one quarter. That's eight prophecies. There are 350 of them plus. You know, Jesus is who he says he was, and he is who the, who the Old Testament says he was. And if we're if he fulfills what we're looking at here uh, in, in the picture of what the Passover was, and when you look at what the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread represents, that sin needs to be removed, and that, that there needs to be blood that covers, uh, that's amazing. All the way back in Exodus, when they're coming out of slavery, when they're coming out of the bondage of Egypt, coming out of the bondage of sin, you see you see all the all the uh, the parallels that are going here it's amazing how can anybody say that this book is just written by man it's not yes god used man to pen the thing but it, this book is written by the holy spirit god has written this this bible and we can trust it with everything that we have that's verse 1 we've covered verse 1 so back to Luke 22 so we know the setting. We know we know the time that is being um, recognized here by the children of Israel. Verse two says, "And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people." No shock there, right? We've studied this for several weeks in a row. They're always they're trying to find a way uh, to kill him. Verse three says, "Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot." Who was numbered among the twelve? So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them, and when and they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. So the chief priests are are once again, they're trying to find a way to Jesus. They fear the multitudes. And everything. now one of Jesus's twelve closest comes to him and says, "Let's make a deal." And he makes a deal, uh, and we're going to look at a few different verses here uh, to understand a little bit more of who Judas is and what it means when we read that Satan entered Judas because you can get some weird, weird looks, uh, weird um, explanations for that. And it's as simple as he rejected Jesus. So he's open to demonic possession and uh so but we'll we'll look into this a little bit more but the chief priests the scribes uh uh, uh, the scribes um and judas they they make this deal and uh they're still afraid of the people now understanding judas had spent three and a half years with jesus three and a half years walking with jesus I've told you guys before, and I—I I, I don't mean to. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't derail us. But remember, I was telling somebody it was at work, and and there was just a discussion. Somebody asked me about church or whatever, and um, I—I I, I don't walk around saying yes, I serve as a pastor at our church, you know, and you know, I have a pastoral role or anything. that it just came out in conversation. It was maybe it was a youth pastor thing um, that I was talking to them from way back. Now wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. you mean you mean you served as like a a helper or something? Was, no, my. I was the youth youth pastor or, um, and like, well, I couldn't be, you didn't go to, and and I start realizing their background. Well, you you didn't go to Bible college. Do you have a degree? And so I just kind of chuckle. We start talking and I'm like, did Peter have a degree from Bible college? Did he go to, you know, the school of fishermen Bible college or whatever, or? You know, and and we'll, we'll know they were with Jesus. And I'm like, and they wrote down what Jesus said and we can read it and we can teach it. I'm not saying nobody can benefit from Bible college. If somebody can go and spend two, four years of, of just diving into the scripture at a true Bible believing college, you are, I mean, it's going to be a total blessing for somebody. I wish, you know, I wish I could just shove that you know, by osmosis, just walk over and put my hand on someone's shoulder that just went to Bible college and shove in all the stuff that I don't know. That'd be great. You know, it, it would be a blessing, but they had seen, they had witnessed. Judas had seen, they had witnessed. He he, he was able to uh, the witness the healings and the miracles. You know, he heard the teachings, you know, Judas saw the waves calming when Jesus told him to stop. He saw all those things. Guys, seeing is not believing. It is not believing. We can never place our trust in something that we've just seen, you know, or, or we, there's so many times that you may be having a conversation with somebody and be like, if, if I could see, how come, how come we can't see the things that we saw in like in the old Testament? You know, I've had those conversations with people. Those are, those are always neat. And I'm like, you can read about them, and you can understand the miracles uh, of, of everyday life that we have here, that we can breathe in air, that our heart is beating, and we don't have to do anything to make it happen. You know, this body, this machine that we walk in is finely tuned by a creator that loves us. You know, you don't have to be a, um, uh, a, 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 a theologian you know, strive to understand the scriptures, but you, you don't have to be a scientist to, to speak of a scientific thing. You can just say this. I say this because this is what I do. I, I, my limited, I hated science in school, hated it. My worst subject ever, that and math, I hate them both. Okay. And, uh, it was, it was like pulling teeth. I, if I got a 70 in those classes and a D minus, I was like cartwheels down the hallway, you know, that I didn't have to do it again. So I haven't dedicated my life to science and, uh, God bless those that have in, in those things, but just the simplicity of, of being able to share, um, there's, there's the misconception that even in conversations that I've had with, uh, with people that if I was able to see something, if I was able to see Jesus, if he came to me, I would believe it's not the case. Judas spent three and a half years with him and betrayed him for 30, 30 shekels of silver, 30 pieces of silver. That was the same amount. Like if, if somebody's um, uh, ox got gored by another person's, they'd have to give him 30. Like that's, that's what it costs for him to betray Jesus Christ. Nothing. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah. You know, buy me a steak. Steak dinner or whatever, you know, is, is almost that type of thing. He's like, it doesn't really matter. You guys figure it out. And they settled on 30 pieces of silver. You know, Judas walked with him three and a half years, heard all these things, uh, saw all these things, and still something inside him kept him from believing and uh, being a true follower. He was following Jesus, walking with him, but from being a true follower of Christ. So when it says Satan entered Judas, um it is, uh, and I've heard people say this, well, this person was a Christian and then they got demon possessed. It's impossible. A demon cannot possess somebody where the Holy Spirit is indwelling. Light and darkness can't can't be in the same place. Light and darkness can't exist in the same spot, right? It's, it even says in the scripture, those two, they can't be, it's one or the other. So, So what we know in Judas is uh, he, as a believer, he he had rejected, uh, sorry, as a non-believer, he had rejected Jesus. And that opens him to uh, that type of uh, demonic uh, indwelling. So, you know, in John chapter 13, verse 2, it says, uh, In supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, simon's son to betray him and this is a parallel passage i'm going to share one other scripture with you that might sound familiar it might shine some light on satan entered judas um acts chapter five verse three says uh, but peter said ananias why has satan filled your heart to lie to the holy spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself while it remained was it not your own and after it was sold was it not your own to control why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. You remember that? Ananias died right after that. Sapphira, his wife, died right after that, given the same opportunity. And what all it was was who came in with willing hearts uh, to sell something off to to give so that the church that was in Jerusalem would be provided for because many were being rejected losing jobs losing families and everything and and they were selling things to 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 come together and to take care of one another so they made up this weird story hey let's just lie about how much we sold our property for but the Lord knew and revealed that to Peter and what Peter P- Peter's response is ananias why has Satan filled your heart to lie. Because he wasn't a believer in Jesus, they were faking. They were playing, just like Judas. They were faking, and and that will leave us to uh, be. We can us. I can't say us. Somebody to um, falling prey to demonic possession or demonic um, oppression, uh, you know, demonic uh, influence in their lives. A Christian cannot be. Indwelt in by a demon because we have the Holy Spirit in us. So the, this man had rejected Jesus. So when reading that, it can really mess with your mind. Like, wait a minute, he didn't have any control over this. That's because he rejected Jesus. So his 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 mind is his heart was uh, was open to the father of lies. So some prophecies about Judas. Uh, Psalm 41 verse nine says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Psalm 55, verse 12 says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me. Uh, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, O oh man, uh, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in the throng. Jesus declared uh, that one of the disciples will betray him. So this wasn't, this wasn't a, a mystery to Jesus. He knew this was going to happen, and he declares it. John chapter 6, verse 70. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. John thirteen twenty six says, Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread uh, when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. So when he, when I, when we start out in John 13 it's one of you is going to betray and everybody's like who was it who would it be and they, they dipped he dipped it in and uh, and and gave it to uh, to Judas so it might seem that it was obvious at that point but even then the disciples are were still wondering they're like is, is it going to be me they're all scared they're they're trying to figure out what's happening here And, uh, so they didn't even know the disciples didn't suspect Judas, even seeing these things. They didn't suspect it till they saw him in the, in the, in the garden and that they saw him come up and remember, and and we're going to read this later. We're fast forwarding through this, but it's important for us to understand what's happening here is, uh, he comes up and gives Jesus a kiss and Jesus, you betraying the son of man with a kiss, you know, your friend friend. It was, you know, he, he was, he wasn't a friend. He, and uh, Luke 22, verse 23, so a little bit further where, where we are, it says, then they began to question among themselves which of them uh, it was who would do this thing. So they're all wondering. They, it wasn't like, oh, it was Judas. I knew it was the guy. I knew it was him. You know, he always cackled, you know, when Jesus talked to You know what I mean? There wasn't, there wasn't a time that everybody's looking like, this guy's a fake. For three and a half years, he played the role. And he went around and and he presented himself as one of them but he never truly believed in Jesus and he's 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 there and he's he's witnessing everything he's seeing everything he's hearing everything but he didn't accept Jesus and until they they saw that that he had led them uh, the the mob to Jesus, and that they they had him there in Gethsemane. It wasn't. Remember, Jesus said, you know, he could he could call down legions of angels and wipe them out. He's laying his life down in obedience to the will of the Father. So it wasn't like they because they had clubs and pitchforks that that Jesus is going. It's because Jesus was laying his own will down, saying, "Not my will, but your will be done." So they could have come with nothing, and and Jesus would have gone with them. So it wasn't like they overpowered him or anything. Uh, They thought they needed to. But it became evident to them after everything had happened um, that that they they could understand and they would reflect back on on Judas. And you you know there were several conversations, so I'm going to read a couple of them to you. Um, John 12, verse 3 says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his, his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Verse 6 of John 12 says, This he said, not that he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So when they can look back and they can see these things, because if they would have seen that, they would have reported it. It would have been, but they're looking back. They're like, wait a minute. He was taking from that. Judas, uh, uh agreed to, to betray Jesus. And it was because he, he didn't believe in him. John six verse 70. I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm like launching, uh, verses at you and I, and I don't mean to, but even what Will was saying this morning, you know, the best commentary on the, on the scriptures is the scripture. So, um, I don't mean to just—it uh, was funny. We just went to a birthday party between services, and I'm pausing here, but it's funny. Um, uh, so uh, we had some uh, some kids there, my um, my brother's grandkids, and uh, they're they're running around. And uh, how old did they turn? Five? Yeah, they're five. The twins are five, and I think his oldest one might be seven. And uh, they got Nerf guns, and they're running around, and I'm watching. You know, you always hear the thunk. Funk, and then I look over at my brother and I hear Wah! and I look over he's got a gap Remember the Gatling gun it spins like this. He's got a Gatling gun a nerf gun dun, 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 dun. And it's just launching these it was awesome to look at so I don't mean to Gatling gun versus at you and I hope I hope that I Did I did have to share that but um, but it is important for us to see you know what we're studying here. Uh, and and to understand what's happening. I know I'm throwing a lot of things at you. If you're writing them down, hopefully I didn't say them too loud and uh, uh, say them too fast or anything. But uh, just so we know, I'm not just just throwing things together uh, here and trying to give you everything I could. I am giving you everything I could think of. But uh, yeah, but uh, so it's it's it. There's a reason for it. John six verse seventy. So uh, this has to do with, to do with Jesus. Uh, sorry, Judas agreeing to betray Jesus. Jesus answered them and says, "Did I not choose you, the twelve? And one of you is a devil." He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the, um, the son of Simon. I know we read similar to this. Uh, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Matthew chapter 26, uh, twenty-six, verses fourteen through sixteen says, "Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the high priest and said." What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought an opportunity to betray him. So that's where we actually learn what the amount was. The amount was 30 pieces of silver. So I'm going to fast forward through the crucifixion. And well, sorry, it's not even through the crucifixion. It's before the crucifixion. Because shortly after this, Judas realizes he makes a big mistake. And he makes a huge mistake, and he goes and he's trying to stop something, He's trying to make it right, which is awful. Like um, that, that, you guys ever done something and you know you're wrong? I, I, I just when you I just remember being a kid and you know I did this and my parents are gonna find out and I am dead. Uh, you know, worse than that, he just realizes that he betrayed Jesus Christ. And, uh, Matthew 27 verse, it starts with verse three and goes through 10 says, then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been, uh, that Jesus had been condemned was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is it to us? You see to it. We don't care. We got what we needed from you. Get out of here. He comes, he's broken in front of them and they, they don't care. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed, and went and hanged himself. But the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, "It is not lawful to put them into the treasury, because the, uh, because they are the price of blood." Chief priests involved in murder and a plot for murder know that that well. You know what? This 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 is unclean. Now we need to get it out of here. Let's just go spend it. Verse 7 says, and they consulted together and brought and uh, bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, the field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, and they took 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they, uh, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, As the Lord directed me all this time, they're rejecting Jesus and they're doing, and they're, we talked about it last week. They're fulfilling prophecy as they're doing it. They're fulfilling prophecy in buying the field. There's all of this. It's not outside of, of what's happening here. Like, like they're, they're blind to it and think, Oh, we got him. We got him. Like I said, Jesus was very much laying his life down to the father's will. And these guys uh, are are looking at as a, as a win. So uh, the sorrow of selling out Jesus uh, consumed Judas. So uh, as we're reading those, I know, I know we've gone through several verses, and we, uh, we've gone through six verses now. We've, we've jumped around, but understanding you know, what's happening here, the time uh, in Israel's history and uh, in that culture that day, you know, the, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's, it's all God's perfect timing that that symbol uh, and that, that Christ would be would be crucified and die for the sins of man, deliver from the bondage of a, a, a much worse master uh, than uh, than Egypt could ever be, that sin is so cruel. Look what sin has done to our lives prior to Jesus. Hopefully none of us here now, but look, look what it does to lives. Look what it does to this world. And that, that, that bondage can be broken because of, the, the blood of the spotless lamb that was poured out. Amazing. It's awesome. I, I love this stuff. I love it. I love it. So uh, verse 7. So we've gotten through a few verses here in about 40 minutes. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the the Passover for us that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters, into which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there, make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Uh, a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, we talked about this, and God's, God's perfect timing when he sends them, and he tells them exactly. It wasn't customary for a man to be carrying a pitcher of water. The women in that culture carried the pitcher of water. So this guy's carrying it, and they can look and go, oh, hey, there's a guy. And Jesus tells them exactly where their steps are going to lead them. As we're walking and we're following the Lord, God God guides the step of the steps of the righteous, and He's literally He knows the exact timing when they go into there, and they're going to see this guy walking into the house. Follow him and go talk to him, and you're going to go and you're going to find a furnished room. It's all set. Basically, Jesus is saying, "I got everything covered." You know, it's a super big paraphrase there, but Jesus is like, "Just go ahead. You're going to see everything as I tell you to." And it says that they went and they found it just. As he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. So Jesus sent them, and it happened exactly the way he said it was going to. Verse 14 And when the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And they said to, it, to them, Sorry, he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. With you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you but before the hand of my betrayer is with me sorry sorry but behold the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table and truly the son of man goes as it has been determined but woe to whom uh, to that man by whom he is betrayed Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Like I said, we fast forwarded a little bit, but it was so that we could kind of dive into where the Lord led me in my study uh, to discuss that. So Jesus is now, uh, verses 14 through 23, he's instituting the Lord's Supper. You're probably familiar with that scripture a little bit more because typically uh, when we are uh, taking communion here as a fellowship, there are times where we'll just stay 1 Corinthians 11, but sometimes we'll go all the way back here to Luke 22 uh, and we'll discuss that also where the Lord implemented um, the, the time that we have that we call communion, that we remember his body and his blood that was given for us. So Jesus was well aware of the suffering that uh, awaited him, and he spoke of it several times. It wasn't a surprise. He said, even even in the, the, the few chapters before, that he was going to be turned over to the Gentiles and that he was going to die. He was going to be crucified. And he told them, three days later, I'm going to rise again. But when he says here, before I suffer, now you think of the physical suffering of Jesus, beaten beyond recognition, Scourged with a, uh, a a whip uh, called the cat of nine tails, and they would get everything in there that would grip into and you guys remember, Will has shared this with us. grip into the flesh, and it would dig deep in and rip. It wasn't supposed to be something like, oh, okay, you've been you know whipped with the hose a couple times, you've learned your lesson. It was a punishment, extreme punishment that a lot of people didn't didn't survive through. Thirty nine lashes with that, that's awful. Scourged top to bottom you know that's that's awful ripping ripping the flesh he's so beaten beyond recognition remember blindfolded punched mocked saying oh prophesy tell us who hit you you know all those things spit on um the scourge his beard was ripped out crown of thorns you know beaten into his head uh nailed into pieces of wood all those things that that were that were going to come, and, and Jesus says uh, he wanted to have this Passover because it was going to be the last one. That was the last Passover that needed to be remembered and celebrated because it was all going to be fulfilled when he died on the cross. All that's over with. That picture has been has been fulfilled, and it's all done now. He says, "I will no longer eat of it un- uh, until." Uh, it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Revelation 9, 19, 9, you can look at the marriage supper of the Lamb uh, and see and see there. So it says, blessed are those uh, who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So in his kingdom. So what, he, what he's saying here is, is this is going to be the last one here, and it's going to happen again. And if you want to you know, learn more about that, just look at, I just read the verse to you. Uh, but Revelation uh, 19, 9 says, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In verse twenty, so and we talked about the um, uh, the, the bread and, and um and the uh, the, the cup uh, verse twenty says likewise he, he took the cup after after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. It's the new deal with God. Like ever there there's nothing else that needs to be done. It's trusting in the broken body and the blood that was poured and in, in who Jesus Christ is, that Christ is, is the new deal with God. That if we believe in him and we accept, so the, the scripture tells us, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. That's the new covenant. That he died for our sins, that he has covered our sins, that our righteousness comes from him. There isn't, there isn't a, a whole law that we need to keep anymore. You know, what is the fulfillment of the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors ourselves. It's all Jesus. That's it. You know, and he's, he's talking about this new covenant. Peter uh, wrote, 1 Peter, it's the last scripture I have for you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25 says, uh, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that uh, we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So as Jesus is is describing um, everything that's going to change and all that's going to happen to him here we we can understand that we as sheep were going astray but through Christ we can be found and brought back so when we think of the feast of unleavened bread when we think of the passover we can understand that Jesus fulfilled those things and that they were a picture of of him and him redeeming us and saving us from sin that that evil and cruel master uh that his blood being poured out, just as I was able to share with my daughter that uh because of his blood we can be freed from sin and we no longer have to uh face the punishment of our sins so um verse twenty three says uh, then they began to oh sorry we already read that part um that they began to question, so uh they were trying to figure out who it was we're gonna to we are gonna stop there and we'll go into uh Verse 24, because verse 24 st- uh, takes a, a different thing, and, and we see that the uh, these guys um, end up uh, starting to argue once again. And um, so we're, we're going to actually stop in 23 tonight. Um, but uh, the, the argument of who is greatest. So they just hear all this stuff, and they're like, oh, so who's going to be greatest, <laughs> right? We, as humans, can be so thick-headed. We don't even understand what's happening here. Like, yeah, Jesus just told us something ultra-important. Who's going to be greatest? You know, uh, it's just silly. It's funny. So uh, may we uh, rest uh, as Christians that have accepted the Lord in knowing that the Old Testament, the old the old uh, covenant has been uh, replaced by Jesus Christ. We don't have to go through all the laws and rituals. And if anybody thinks they want to, I know Will has been up here and he shared this before. Go ahead and try. Have some fun with that. It is it's exhausting and impossible. So, might as well just trust in the one that all of those things were pointing to, like the feast of uh, excuse me the uh, feast of unleavened bread, the Passover. That all of those things that it happened that Jesus was was crucified right at that perfect time, so that that could be abolished. Uh, the the Old Testament, uh, the Old Covenant could be you know replaced by the New Covenant, the New Testament that we have in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, Father. We are blessed to know uh, that you love us, and and to look back all the way back into Exodus twelve, and to see what was, uh, what picture was was uh, was being drawn, Lord. What the 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 Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were a picture of, and Lord, that we we know that you sent your Son, and Lord, that uh, that all of that was a picture that he that he fulfilled all, all of those things that happen Lord that we know that Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection is all that we need to trust in to have right standing with you and to walk with you and and, and to follow you in our lives. We're so blessed that we can be freed from the sin the, the bondage of sin just as you freed Israel from the bondage of, of, of Egypt Lord you have freed us from the bondage of a cruel, cruel master and that sin ruling our lives and given us your freedom in Christ. We thank you so much for your love. We pray that you will bless and protect us as we leave this place and get us back here together safely next time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.